your Bible tonight, turn to Luke chapter number 5, page 1078. If you got a, uh, a uh, King James Bible, amen. Page 1078. Very, very familiar passage. When you, when you get there, when you get there, look this way. I have a question for you. The Lord, the Lord is going to ask for something. There is an object that the Lord starts with, and in the very end, He's going to ask Peter for it. We preached this many ways and many, many times. What a great story it is. But tonight, tonight, it's going to ask him for something. And if you'll listen carefully while we're preaching at the end of it, you'll know what it is. If you sleep through it, you'll have to find out when the end of the message. I'm going to tell you what it is. Now you listen carefully, you'll say, I know what that is. So if you got your place, let's all stand together. Amen. We've been talking about virtues. We've looked at the uh, three of them now. The learned virtue is what? Okay, now I will wait. The learned virtue is what? Contentment. Contentment. The next one, I'm not on, okay. The next one we looked at was the virtue of honesty. Of honesty. Tonight we want to look at this one on the virtue of impact. Living a life that counts. The greatest thing. The Bible says, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his own soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Talking about what would you swap your life for? It came to pass that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. And he stood by the lake of Gensereth. Saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, was, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the, the land. And he sat down and talked to people out of the ship. And when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, Watch out into the deep, and let down your nets. For a drought. Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we've told all, we've told all night, and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, thy word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships. So they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. So was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And the Jesus said to Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all. And followed him. Let's go to the throne of grace here tonight and ask God to help us.
I'm going to ask Eddie, if he would, to please pray. Amen. Be seated. The impact virtue, or if you will, making life count. Everybody wants to be useful, to make a difference. To leave the world a better place than what we find it. In the text, we have a man who God used mightily, but it's so much more than that. He tells us how he got him there. Now, it's one thing for us to say tonight, I want your life needs to count. You're not going to live it but one time. Whenever you're, when you're dead and gone, it's, it's, it's going to be done. And for it to count, to make a difference, everybody ought to do that. Everybody should want it. Everybody should desire that. But it's quite another to say, well, here's how you do it. I'm amazed at this. God tells us in Christ, He gives us how to do it. And let me just say this. God's, God's order of things never does change. Well, uh, I, I, I would do that, but... Well, you but to Jesus comes, but it still ain't going to change. God's order of things, the way God does things. Long before the mud stops of the world was ever laid, God done had a plan. He, he, done, he done knew what he's going to move men's hearts to write. He gave us a book, and, and it's not open for debate. And tonight, when we decide, well, uh, you know, I, 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 want, I want this better. And, and, and trust me, I, doing, I love doing this. It's part of, part of what God put me here for is to help you. But when I give you God's order, and you say, well, then I'm honest, you're saying, yeah, but is there another one? Give me plan B. God's got plan A, and that's it. And in this passage, we have a man God chose to use. No doubt about it. So, first of all, it starts with obedience. Simon, been out in the sea fishing all night long. Not only is the boat comes in empty, but he's empty. Totally empty. What a frustrating night. He's worked and caught nothing. Go on the beach, are cleaning their nets and debris. And over the hillside, they hear a, a group of coming. And uh, you have to understand, this cove that they were in, what, was, what a beautiful place it was. The beach was sandy, and, and the way it, it literally was laid out, it was like a natural amphitheater around. And it was grassy, and it was beautiful to behold. And it's been said that a man could stand at the bottom and just speak, and the people at the top of the hill could hear him just, just, uh, just as clearly because it was just like a natural amphitheater where this cove come in where they brought their ships. I, I, I thought about that many times, and it's the most amazing thing. 
And, and it, it's just, just amazing. I sit in my office, and people that live in this house going down that road, in, they can be standing out in the yard, and I can hear them just stand outside. That sound will come down that holler, and, and sometimes you'll think, Who's here? Get out and look around, and you know, have your club ready to go, and, uh, and, and, and go outside and notice them standing in that sound. That's where it was then. Some have said, some have wrote, I don't know if this is true, but some have written that, that Peter had already met Jesus at the healing of his mother-in-law. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it's something worth thinking about, isn't it? I know this much. Jesus is coming with a whole group of people and a multitude. He's a difference maker, amen? He made a difference everywhere he went. So he comes to the water's edge, and because of the crowd... The Bible says he taught with them as one that having authority. In other words, his words meant something. Not like the Pharisees that were hypocritical. And everybody knew it. They taught with authority. And because of the crowd, he, he gets into Peter's boat. He says, if you would push me out into the water a little bit. That way everybody can seek him and hear him. So he comes and he begins to do that. From this place, the Lord continues the lesson. Don't miss this. So it starts with obedience. But here's what I want you to get tonight. Obedience doesn't come in a one-time step. Obedience is step after step after step. Young people, if you'd hear me, you'll hear me, I'll help you tonight. That's why you grow up and mature. It's one step of obedience after another step after another. When you start becoming rebellious and ignoring everything you're saying and your teachers and everybody around you, listen to me now. Whenever you start rebelling and not listening to your teachers and your mom and your dad and your parents and people around you, when you start those steps of disobedience, one step leads to another, to another, to another. Nobody gonna tell me what to do. Okay. Don't don't worry. One day they'll put you in a place. Somebody tell you what to do. Amen. Love this. Like the boy said, I'm gonna join the Marines. Because I'm talking about everybody telling me what to do. <laughs> Amen. Which I ain't sure the Marines told them what to do. Amen. I'm sure they did. Oh, don't you hear me? So it comes step after step after step. Obedience is not something you do today and then it's okay to disobey tomorrow. No, no. Obedience is a way of life that we do each and every day. And God comes to Peter. And so step number one. Now I love this. Peter's a listening to everything that's going on. But notice it started with him saying, be okay if I get in your boat here and move out. Peter said, I could, could imagine him thinking to himself, my God, you might as well use it. Throw a pole in. We ain't catching no fish. 
handcuff nothing all night. Might as well get some good out of something. Just go right ahead. But he didn't understand that was step number one. Step number one. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. People all the time. Boy, preach, I tell you. I, I, I want to work with the young people. I said, okay, get here then. Hang around a while. It's almost like they walk in saying, you know, I'm here to work with the young people. Then they want me to give them our young people. Now hang around a while. Let me talk to you a little bit. Let me see what you're going to do. Step number one. He gets in the boat and he says, push it out to shore. But then the Lord did something. And you may have missed this. The Lord wasn't necessarily there for the crowd. The Lord had come there for one. And he begins to speak to one. He looks and says, and when he left speaking, he said in the Simon. Now, he's not addressing the multitudes now. He's come for just one. I love that. And he said, Simon, launch out in the deep, let down your nets for a drought. Now notice what Simon did not say. Simon did not say, Jesus, all right, young, young people, sit up. Let's look at this way. It's not sleeping time. Sit up. Preaching time. He didn't say, Jesus, don't you tell me how to fish. I'm a professional and you're an amateur. He didn't say, Jesus, you stick to preaching and I'll do the fishing. I know the best fishing spots. I know the most best conditions. He didn't say, don't you know we fished all night and the best time to catch fish on the Sea of Galilee? Don't you know the best fishing is in shallow waters, not in the deep waters? He didn't ask the questions. He didn't listen to his feelings. Let me tell you why some of you will never do anything for God. You're hung up on your flipping feelings. Oh my God. The Lord didn't ask him what he felt like. The Lord said, Lord, out you into the deep. Notice. Simon simply obeyed. Simon didn't realize it. But a lesson or a message on fishing this was a lesson in faith and moving forward in faith now there's something here I noticed Peter's faith here is amateur it's immature it's not complete because he doesn't completely Obey what the Lord says. The Lord said, cast your net. And the Bible says he cast his net. But I love this. The Lord used it anyway. Can I help you? God's are looking for faith. And it don't always have to be mature. 
It don't always have to be uh, this that's been matured in season. Truth of the matter is, if he did, I don't know if he could use much, many of us. Because our faith is always, always uh, uh, sprinkled with doubt and, and unbelief. And, and when we pray for something, we wonder, can I really do this? Because I didn't mature in amateur faith. But God still said, cast it out. I believe he thought, okay, I know, Peter, your faith is weak. I know you don't think it's going to work. I know you think it's a waste of time. I know you think it's going to fail. Peter, cast down the deep in the way. Cast down the deep in the way. But it was a lesson of obedience and difference making. What we need to understand, God didn't come here down to that shore to take something from Peter or these fishermen. I, I need to, for years and years, years and years, I made this statement. And uh, God helped my poor ignorance. Here's what I'd say. I said, you know, bless God, I had this job. And man, I give this job up to go full time in the ministry. And about a few years of that, God got my, got my heart. And I began to realize, first of all, I've not given up anything to serve my God. He's given up everything. Not me. We have this idea that, boy, I tell you, I, boy, I pay my tithes. I tell you, I pay my tithes. I pay my tithes. You do what? So, you owe God? When did He bill you? I pay my bills. I pay a stupid light bill and water bill. And that light bill is just ridiculous, ain't it? I pay for groceries. But I don't pay tithes. I surrender them back to God's. They're already His to begin with. As long as you're paying Him, you're always going to put a dollar bill to that. I just do it. I just give this one to God. I just pay this one to God. Huh? You need to understand something. You don't. You ain't got it yet. Got back what's already here. God lets me keep ninety percent, and God gives me the strength to make it all. God gives me the ability to do it. I couldn't do it in a, a day. We couldn't make, you couldn't make a cent. God didn't give it. Oh, you, you hold of something here. Your, your mind is only just one second away from being somebody leading you around. God's being good to us and kind to us. So he moves from speaking to, to the crowd to, to just one. But then he said, I want you to see the obedience. And when they did, I want you to know something. They enclosed a great multitude of fish. Fishes and their net break. I want to stop here and just throw this. When you obey God, and you do exactly what God said, it's an impossibility for your net to ever break. It only breaks when you disobey Him. Had they put down the nets, them nets would have stretched around the world before they'd ever broke. Because God said, drop the net. And they wouldn't have never broke. They only break whenever we disobey God. 
Don't do what God wants us to do. Can I help you something else? God's never had a problem putting fish in the nets. Never has and never will. I, I got to praying about this. I said, okay, Lord, we're going to... I, I believe you want us to go ahead and work towards getting another bus. Okay, Lord. Well, I got thinking about that. God said, same place I got the other bus load. Amen. At people's houses. Same place. And you say, well, how do you know they're going to come? Because I believe God moved their hearts to come. I believe God moved their parents to let them come. I believe God will fill the bus up. And so we see the obedience. Now notice, first they saw the miracle. These men witnessed a miracle. It's the large that other boats had to be summoned to help them. I mean, it was such massive in proportion that both boats began to sink. Number two, they saw the master. Peter had never seen the Lord disaway. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Oh Lord, he had never seen Jesus as deity. He had never seen Jesus as God Almighty, as a sovereign God. That day, when he saw the miracle, he saw the Lord for who he was. Not only that, not only that, he saw not only that, but he saw himself as a sinful man. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Oh Lord, do you know why I know some have never told the Lord? Because they talk about how godly and wonderful they are. Because it never fails. The further I'm away, I'm pretty good. So I get to God, the worse I am. Then God, the more, the closer I get to God, and He becomes the pattern, the more I realize, oh my gosh, God, why do you even let me be a part of your business? When we move close to Him, you'll begin to see yourself. So number one, it's a story of obedience. Number two, it's a scene of emptiness to usefulness. There's a story here that all of a sudden their emptiness become a place of usefulness. And the key, of course, was obedience. They had to obey. I'll be honest with you. You want people. Say, boy, I want God to use me. And I look, and a few young people, just a few, are saying, Preacher, uh, help me to pray. God would give me the direction for my life. And I love that. Okay? Now, you did obey the Sunday school teacher today, right? You did obey the song leader when Brother Joy was leading the song. You didn't argue with him, did he? And I went in choir practice. As far as I know, it went great. But you did obey your choir leader, didn't you? You did obey your mom and dad today, right? If pastor come on, say, okay, it's time to get in, let's do this. And you obeyed the pastor. Or he said, right, 
tell me what to do. Okay? You can pray for now that Jesus comes and you won't ever go another step further. Because it starts with obeying. Oh, hey, hey, young person. If you ain't got enough God about you and character about you to obey a, 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 a teacher in school, why would God or anybody else invent you? I'm, I'm so thankful. I have a couple. I've shared this story, but I've had a couple old women. Miss Hall. Miss Hall always looked 100 years old. She's a rough of college school. Come up to me and said, Now, son, you quit hanging around him. You're going to get blackballed. They're not good news. I said, You crazy old woman. But you know what? I said, Well, I think I'm just going to listen. Miss Swanee Lockie probably. Not even though she's in heaven now. Miss Swanee Lucky went a long ways of saving my... I wouldn't be pastor today. I doubt if I mean, me and her would be together. Had not been Miss Lucky said, you don't need to be hanging right down there with that crowd. They're trouble. And I looked at her and I said, yes, ma'am, because I'm decent. You need to talk back to Miss Lucky. She'd walk you inside the head. She's tough on well, she's tough old gal. Even though, I mean later on in years, she's a tough gal. She raised about ten years. She wasn't no women. I said, Yes, ma'am. Can I help you, you young people? Don't tell me how smart you are. Don't tell me how big and bad you are. Don't tell me about nothing you are. If your parents can't come say, Boy, I tell that boy, I tell that girl do something. And they do it. They don't need your talking back. They don't need your arguing. They don't need your opinion. They just need you to obey. And you don't understand something. You are establishing right now what you're going to be when you're 50 years old. Right now. Starts with, I'm not going do what they tell me to do. Disobeying. I tell you this much. Now obedience brings you some things. Number one, obedience brings freedom. When we think about freedom, the world tells us that freedom comes from avoiding the rules, changing the rules, breaking the rules. But God said freedom comes by obeying what I tell you to do. If you love Keep my commandments. Obedience to Christ is one of the most distinguishing marks of a Christian. Jesus didn't suggest obedience. He demands it. I let me just say this. Obedience doesn't bring bondage. Obedience brings great freedom. Let, let me illustrate this way. Elijah, if you come up after service and said, Paul, uh, me and Beth's going to go get lunch and uh, I, I need $10. Do you reckon I'd give you $10? Yeah. 
Yeah, I would if I had it. Don't ask me after service. I ain't doing it. <laughs> no. He don't come and ask me for anything that I don't do it for him. I hold it. Stop right there. Let me show how obedience brings freedom. If he says, Paul, can I ride the four-wheeler? I say, yes. Now, Elijah, here's what you do. I listen for that thing. And I said, I don't, want you, I don't hear that thing revving up. I want you to keep it slow. And I said, I want you going here, and you're out here, and it's just, it's just what you do. So he comes up. This, the next week, he says, can I ride the four? I said, yes, sir. Go get your key. You know what to do. Brings great freedom. But I just say hypothetically. He comes up, and I say, can I ride the four? And I, I want you to keep it slow. But I hear it coming down the road. It's wide open. Command four wheel to put back the building. Now he's not his disobedience has not given him freedom. It's took freedom away from him. Now don't you listen to me? Don't you listen to me very carefully? Mom and daddy, I'll help you. It's just, it's just free, won't cost you a dime. But you don't help your child, you never will help your child if you reward disobedience. But we can't spike them no more. That's right, you can't. You spike. You spank, you spank kids the way we were spanked, you'll be put in jail. Now, I'll agree with that, but still the truth. But I'll tell you this much, I got some money in my pocket, and I can decide where I spend it. I got a car in the driveway, and I can decide where it goes. And if you're going to disobey, be near in hell, I'll tell you this much, I don't take you nowhere, you're sat here. You can't make me do anything. I'm saying, you can never win a child or anybody by rewarding disobedience. Obedience brings freedom. Amen. Number two, obedience demands an action. Be doers of the word and not hearers of deceiving your own selves. If you be a, a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass where he beholds himself, goeth his way straightway, forgetteth what manner of man he was. I, I was preparing this. I was thinking about it. I walked by a mirror and I said, my God, I got to lose some weight. I got to lose some weight. And you know what? Now, I could see myself. I know what I got to do. But you know what I've got to do? Now I've got to quit being in the elbow. And I'll just be honest with you, and I love this. Don't get me booed out now. Don't get me booed out. But some of these precious ladies that brings me pies are not helping me in that area. And I don't disappoint them. I love them. So I eat I it. I don't disappoint them. But obedience, obedience demands an action. Hey, obey your parents. Do it. Quit your arguing, complaining. Quit your belly aching. God tells you to do something. Do it. Demands an action. Peter heard the message. He 
the deep, Peter. Well, Lord, I tell you, we fished all night and went caught the thing. Nevertheless, thy word, here's what he's saying, Lord, did you tell me that again? I want to make sure I got it. Cast out in the deep. Okay. I'll let down that. I love the story of the tightrope walker. Roll a wheelbarrow across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Put 200 pound stacks of dirt and wheelbarrow rolled it over and rolled it back. He looked at the crowd and said, How many of you believe I can roll a man across? Everybody shouted. One man in the front row was very excited. And they had a tight rope pointed this excited person and said, Okay, you're next. Get in the wheel bar. He said he believed it. He thought he believed it. But he wasn't willing to get in the wheel bar. Peter listened to the words. He believed him. And then he said, Okay, action. Don't just say you believe me. Don't just say you know me. Don't just say you love me. Jesus said, get in the wheel bar. Obey me. Obedience moves us from a comfort zone. Peter was comfortable fishing all night along the shores. He was he launched out in the deep during the day. He, that, that's, that's another story. He, he's comfortable fishing at night along the shoreline. He wasn't comfortable. Most people live in the shallow waters of life. That's all they live that very little depth because they always play around the edges, never getting out in the deep. You know why? Because it's safer the shallow waters. So I'll stay back here where it's safe, comfortable. I'll piddle around. Number four, obedience means doing those things that you can't wrap your mind around. They don't make sense. Nothing about this. Made sense to Peter. Master, we've toiled all night. We've taken nothing. He said, I can't wrap my mind around this thing. Obedience, you can't wrap your mind. You can't make sense out of it sometimes. You can't wrap your mind around it. But you obey it anyway. But obedience leads to bigger and greater opportunities. And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. The story of the scene of emptiness to usefulness, but there was a separation took place here. Ask a question in the beginning. There's something through this whole story. The Lord's going to ask him for. You would have woke up and say, Peter, what's the most important thing? In my life, he would have probably told you this. It's found at the beginning. It's found in the middle. It's found at the end. Anybody know what it was? No. What? No. Someone said the fish, no obedience, another. Does anybody know what it was? Faith, none. There's an object there. It's an object. Huh? The boat. The boat. Jesus started. He got on the boat. He said, Can we push this boat out? 
We pitched out here to the shore a little bit. That boat just wasn't something to be pretty. I, I just, I, I was almost hilarious. I was driving down the other day. My attention. And, and, and I'm, I probably shouldn't be saying it. It's just an old junky trailer. Old dilapidated junky car. Ain't about ready to fall apart. It's got brand new. Look like a $25,000 Bassmaster under the car. I said, something about that just ain't right. Something sense about that. Just didn't look right. But wasn't just something to be pretty. This boat was Simon Peter's living. It was the one thing that you asked Peter, what's the most important thing in your life? He, would, he probably wouldn't have said his mother-in-law, even though he did let Jesus heal her. But he did say, he would have said, my boat, my fishing boat. First place Jesus started. But second thing he did was, he out some nets, a net for a great drought of fish. He cast out a net, and guess what? It filled the boats. They about begin to sink. When they pulled them back into shore, and Jesus said, Henceforth you'll be fishers of men. He looked and said, But now Peter, without him even saying it, Peter, you're going to have to give up that boat. And the Bible says, they forsook the ships and all who followed him. Obedience will always bring you to that place, to that one thing. I'm not gonna lie to you. Surrender to preach was a challenge. For a while. But when God made it real, it wasn't hard to surrender to preach. When I knew God wanted me to pastor Solid Rock Baptist Church, I was very excited. It wasn't hard. It got hard. It wasn't hard in the beginning. I had three sermons ready to go. Change the world. Go. But God didn't have my boat yet. God didn't have my boat. But the day came. The day came. I was listening to Dr. Curtis Hudson. Dr. Curtis Hudson was a mailman. And he, uh, he tried to do everything. He, uh, he seen, he seen the, everybody around him one day God said, Curtis, I want this, I want this mail job you got. He goes home, his wife's name was Jerry. I said, Jerry, Sink or swim or starve to death. I'm just going to believe God. I remember hearing that message. and Oh, oh Lord. I know He's going to want my boat. He's going to want my boat. And the day came, a Tuesday night revival meeting. God said, I want your boat. I ain't lie to you. The hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It's been a battle at times. I want my boat back. I hear some of you complaining about going to work. And I, I just 
think to myself, some days I'd give a million worlds to be able to do that. Now God's not going to let me do that. I believe God would take me out first. He doesn't hurt me once. He ain't hurt me again. I ain't doing it. But that's my boat. I, I, I need to be... I need to be and, and I'm not trying to... Be, for some of you, you boat your money. You serve God to the point of God saying, God nudged your heart. I believe God's just speaking to people's heart about this bus. But you've done said, I know. I, no, no, no. I ain't doing it. You, what you're saying is, God, you're not going to get my boat. For some of you, it's pleasures. God, you ain't getting my boat. For some of you, it's materialism. Eat up with it. It's always buying, always getting, always more, always never content, never satisfied. Boat. For some of you, it's sports. I'm about to get But God said, I don't want that boat. And whatever it is, God's going to bring you to the place. He's going to say, Come, follow me. And they forsook all and followed him. God's going to say, I want that boat. For some of you young people, he, he, your boat is this, is that, that, that pride, you've got, that anger, what? In a great way. So much potential in this church that's amazing. I believe it's, I believe it's astounding. But God said, Henceforth, you're not going to be fishers of men. He said, You'll be fishers. You'll not be fishing for fish. You're going to be fishers of men. The Bible says they forsook all and left their ships. Here tonight, here tonight, what is your ship? Now that's the that's a pattern. For some for some of you, you say, Man, I'd like to obey God, but but my church is not good. I'm gonna tell you where to start. You start with yourself, obeying exactly what God said to do. Obeying what God said to do. That's the answer. You said, but they won't. Okay? When you obey, you get God working on your behalf. And God can change anything and anybody. And God will do one of two things. Either fix it. Or God will give you such a grace that you'll be alright. But you've got to start somewhere. And you start with obedience of ourselves. Watch your boat. Watch your boat. For some of you, your boat's your children. I hate to tell you this. But them children's not yours. They're gods. You've just been given a stewardship. By the way, they leave you one day, hopefully. Amen. Here tonight, what's your boat? What's your boat? What's that one thing? What's that one thing? What's that one thing if God asked you for? You'd say, can't do that. What's that one thing? Well, I've been pondering this thing all week. And I'm just going to be honest. I don't want anything in my life that God said, I want that. 
Now, I didn't say what somebody else thinks you ought to do. No, I'm talking about what God speaks to you and says. What God says I want. Is there anything God wants that you can give? That's going to be the thing He'll bring you back to over and over and over and over again. He'll not go any further till that surrender. That's all sin and dirty. If you had God.